I'll try to be brief this morning. I am truly thankful for this church. You know I'm thankful for your pastor and his wife and family. and uh, It's just grace that he would be a friend to me. But I'm thankful over the years that I've known you that the Lord has caused so many of you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice in that. And as I said, I'm thankful for your pastor, but I told him that I may well embarrass him this morning. You may be sitting there thinking, why in the world did I ask this fellow? But yesterday afternoon, I kind of committed my mind to try to preach to you this morning from Hebrews 10:14, one of those verses that was read earlier. Don't turn in your Bibles there. Because as some of you know, my wife, last night at the end of the service, got very sick. When she gets sick, she gets sick. And so we hurried back to the motel and to that good room you provided for us, and she got sicker. And for a while I was beginning to wonder if I might have to take her somewhere and get some help for her. She got sick, and I'm trying to help her, and it just gets worse, and then... I'm praying and asking the Lord to help her. I'm thinking things like this too. You know, Lord, I got to preach in the morning. Lord, you know we're a long way from home. Lord, you know how powerless I am to do anything for, really. I'm not even a good nurse. And as I tried to pray and ask the Lord and as best I could from my heart, plead for Him to help us. He did. She's here this morning. And I lay there last night looking at her, watching her, trying to make sure she's not having some problem or difficulty. You know, like you'd watch a child maybe at night, just sleeping, as we say, with one eye open. 
And all this time I'm pleading, praying, asking the Lord for help. Because I'll be honest with you. If you want to kind of rattle my cage, just let something happen to my family. Especially to my wife. Forty-six years, the 17th of July. And so I laid there and I kind of tumbled and tossed and prayed and begged. I'm sure if you had seen me, you would have said, what a pitiful soul he is. And I was reminded of how much I need the Lord. And so I got up this morning and I got some coffee and tried to gather myself up and look at my notes. I've got them right here. That's a pretty good message, I thought. But it just went away from me. These preachers know what I'm talking just went cold on me. And so I began reading some things and just more for my own comfort, more for my own help than anything else. And I kind of arrived at a point that I was like Esther when she went before the king. I said, Lord, I'm going with this, and if I perish, I perish. But I was reading in... Mr. Spurgeon's morning and evening devotions, and I was way behind, as always is the case with us. But I think it was like on the 28th or so of July, he had a little article, and there was a, there was a devotion based on some words in Hosea. And in that book of Hosea, the Lord says concerning His people, in their affliction, they will seek Me early. And I know that that has reference, first of all, in our experience in the Lord bringing us to be afflicted of soul in the matter of our sin. You see, no sinner ever calls upon God except out of desperate need. A need that has to be revealed to him or her by the Spirit of God. A need that he shows us when he brings to us in the power of His Spirit, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what occurred to me is that that is not only the beginning of our experience, 
That is our experience. He said, in their affliction, they will seek me early. And then he had a statement in it. And this statement is really what struck me first. Because not only do I believe in my heart that it is true, but I believe that in my experience I've found it to be true. He said, blessed Blessed are the waves that wash the mariner upon the rock of salvation. I live down by the beach, by the water, the ocean. And I've often described the experience of the Lord's people in this way. It's like standing down there on that beach. And the question is not whether or not another wave is going to come and hit you. You know it is. The question is, how quick will it be here? And how powerful will it be? I've stood there and I've had some that just kind of washed around my feet. I've had some that came up and buffeted me hard. And I've had some that came and absolutely knocked me down till it rubbed my face in the sand. He said, blessed are the waves that washed the mariner upon the rock of salvation. And I thought about it as I did the Lord's people, all of those who believe God. Though they are absolutely, perfectly safe in Christ, they are at the same time always having to be saved, rescued, delivered. And they're like mariners. That's what they are. They're like mariners. They're like, they're likened to pilgrims and sojourners in this world. They're like a people on a great sea. And when I thought about it, this psalm came to my mind. Psalm 107. Because there's a verse in this psalm where it speaks of the Lord's people and describes them in this way. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. We're like little ships. And our business 
in this life and in this world is like a little ship in a vast ocean, a vast expanse of sea, great waters. And what I remembered from this psalm is that about four or five times in this psalm, he turns in this description with the word then. 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 Look with me in Psalm 107. I'm not going to do much more than read this to you, but I want you to see it. And not only can we see it, I'm sure, in our own experience, but when we look back at the Lord's people, all the way back from Adam right down through biblical history and that which we know of the Lord's saints throughout the ages since then, right to this hour. This is their experience. He says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them then. This is us. Then. Not until then, but thank God, then... They cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. He goes on. And He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Somebody said, they're lost people. 
I pray not. You ever rebel against the words of God? You ever condemn, if not with your lips, in your mind, the counsel and the wisdom and especially the providence of God? God, why'd you do that? God, this doesn't seem fair. God, I wish this hadn't happened. That's condemning the counsel of our God. Look at that 13th verse. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. Only then. And He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands asunder. How quickly we get bound up, enslaved, in bondage to about everything. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. How many times in your life have you thought you were laying at the at what we call death's door? Maybe not because of a bodily sickness, but because of trouble of family or trouble of one thing or whatever. You just feel like you're going to die any minute. Listen to what he says. Then. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he saves them out of their distresses. The waves come on them so hard and so fast. The trial, the trouble, the affliction, whatever it is, but they always wash them upon the rock of salvation. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, That's not really what we like, is it? 
We'd like a smooth canoe ride in this world. We'd like everything to go just well. And the better that things go for us, the more we forget God. That's just the way it is. But he said, they that go down to the sea in ships and that do business in great waters, and that's exactly where the Lord carries His people always, He says, these see the works of the Lord. And His wonders in the deep. In our experience as believers, we can look back What are those significant points in our experience as the Lord's people? First of all, and greatest of all, the fact that in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone, He saved us and made us perfectly, permanently, and eternally safe. But how many times has He come? Like he came to those old apostles in that ship in the storm, walking on the water, and rescued us. Rescued us, saved us, delivered us. He says, For he commandeth and raiseth up, raiseth the stormy wind which lifted up the waves. Who did that? Why did he do that? Because I'm afraid that's the only time we call upon him. I'm just telling you the truth. That's the time that we get serious. Listen, they mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths, and their soul is melted Because of trouble. And here we are. They reel to and fro. Have you ever tried to stand on a, stand on a, the deck of a boat in any kind of a storm? It's not easy. And so he describes these in this experience in this way. He says they reel to and fro and they stagger like a drunken man. That pretty well described me last night. Staggering on the deck of a ship tossed and turned and concerned about all kinds of things and are at their wit's end. I'm going to tell you something, folks. The Lord's going to keep bringing us to an end of ourselves. He's going to keep bringing us and delivering us from leaning on the arm of the flesh. You remember old Elijah? 
he had a pretty good thing going. He went down to a little brook. The Lord sent the ravens with bread and flesh in the morning, and he ate, I mean, he drank of that brook. He went the next day. Same thing. The Lord providing for him. But you know what it says? It says that one day the brook dried up. You know, the Lord can make the brook dry up. And when, do, when we go to that expected place to receive of the Lord, though we may not even be acknowledging and thanking Him for it, we go to that brook to drink of that brook, and the brook's dried up. That doesn't mean that the Lord's quit providing for us. But He may just shut that brook up to remind us that He is the one providing for us. And He may turn and use, as He did in that case, use the most unlikely means. Sent Elijah to a widow's house who has one son and they're on their last rations about to starve to death. You know what? God blessed him and fed him and provided for them too. I'll tell you when we call upon the Lord, when the brook dries up, when we're come to our wit's end, when we're made to realize just how helpless and powerless and weak we are. I can tell you this, if you're the Lord's child, He's going to bring you to that. One way or another. He's going to bring us to it. Because it says in verse 28, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. He makes the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So He bringeth them unto their desired haven. But she's a rocky ride. He brings them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. That's the experience of the Lord's people. And then two thoughts came to my mind this morning. Number one, what does that say about us? Oh, we're saved and safe and secure. As a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus Christ there in Hebrews 6 is described as our forerunner who has already entered into the veil. I read one time, that that word forerunner 
was used to speak of a little boat. And that little boat, this forerunner, would go out of the mouth of the harbor at low tide when the bigger vessel could not get into the harbor. That little forerunner would run out there and take the, the anchor of the ship and bring it back and drop it in the harbor where it'd be safe. That's what he says Christ is to us. We have an anchor for our souls. He's already gone into the harbor of God's presence. He's already entered within the veil by His blood and dropped anchor. We're seated in Him in the heavenlies. Somebody said if the head is safe in heaven, the body is safe on earth. He is. But what does that say? What does all this say about us? If that if that's what our situation is, that all these things have to be brought to us in our lives, we have to be brought to these stormy seas and all these various afflictions and trials and troubles, if they have to be sent to us by loving Father again and again, what does that say about us? We're still weak. i tell you what, you can think you're pretty strong. And the Lord can bring you to your knees. You can think you're busy. You don't need the worship of God. You don't need to really pray so much. I mean, after all, you've got this thing pretty well settled. You know the truth. You believe the truth. Christ is your hope. You, you just don't really need all the extra stuff, you know, you're busy and all that. I'm telling you what. You'll find out how bad you need them if you're the Lord's child. He's going to bring you to an end of yourself. This says that we're so weak, that we're so frail, that we're so sinful, that we are so full of our unbelief, that sin which does so easily beset us. And we're not making any progress. What did the apostle say? You know anything about that Romans 7 thing? Somebody said, well, that was before Paul was converted. No, he's writing that as a believer led by the Spirit of God. Oh, wretched man that I am. You remember old John Newton wrote that hymn we love? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know, he was a sea captain. And a wretch was supposedly that skeleton of an old wooden ship that had run aground, and there stands those ribs like a skeleton out of that water. They call that a wretch. I'll tell you, he has to keep saving wretches like us. I'm still a wretch. 
saved by grace, safe in Christ, redeemed by the blood. That's what he's talking about here. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. But I'm still a wretch in myself. Every way I turn, I run aground. And I can get spiritually. I mean, just like that. So cold, so hollow, so empty. I'm like that skeleton standing out of the water. But in His amazing grace, He keeps saving a wretch like me. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, knowing what it's done in the past, knowing what it is before God, I still do. I still think. I still feel. Do you know anything about that? We have to be saved and rescued and delivered and and experience His forgiveness again. I heard some folks debating years ago about forgiveness. And they said, we don't have to ask for forgiveness because we've already been forgiven. Well, there are two aspects of forgiveness And one is that forgiveness as it is before God, and the other is that forgiveness as it is in our experience. I need to know again and again that the Lord has forgiven me because I keep sinning. (laughs) I just keep sinning. And I need to know and experience in my heart the forgiveness of God. He needs to draw me. I was telling Brother Richard that hymn strikes me every time I hear it. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, Here's my heart. Take and seal it to thy courts above. We are such that God must send us affliction and trials and troubles and persecutions over and over again to drive us to Himself so that then we'll call upon the name of the Lord. You let me get concerned about my granddaughter. Oh, the apple of my aged eyes. My family. The church. My wife. Then. I'll call upon him in my trouble. But the second thing that came to my mind was this. What does this say about our God? You see, he opens this psalm. He says, 
Oh, thank, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He's good. And what's that next line? For His mercy endures forever. You know, that ain't the only place that's spoken in the Scriptures again and again. Here's old David. The Lord has saved him with a covenant everlasting salvation. That's all his hope. He's, he's pitiful. I think that's why we love the song, because the Lord's people are, are giving their experience and saying things that we know is true in ours and we feel, but we're almost scared to admit it. Lord, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. But his mercy endures forever. Why? Because his mercy is in Christ. He's the Lord, not only our righteousness, but he's described as the mercy. He changes not. I'm a, oof, you talk about a yo-yo. I'm like the I'm like the carousel. What we used to call when I was growing up, hobby horses. You know how they are, going round and round, up and down. That's me. I reel to and fro, and I stagger like a drunken man. I'm at my wit's end. But He doesn't change. He loved me with everlasting love. Somebody said to me this week, I can't understand why God would ever have been mindful of me or love me or save me from all this great multitude of people. Because to save sinners like us is to redound to the praise of the glory of His grace. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob. Now, if there's one character in this book that this old boy can identify, it's that man, Jacob. Conniver, supplanter, wretch, just, and yet you know he calls himself the God of Jacob. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not concerned. You changing all the time. But he said, I don't. I've loved you with an everlasting love. And he loved us with that love that's in Christ. That love... That is redeeming love. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You think He's going to give a son for us and then let us self-destruct or Satan-destruct or flesh-destruct? His is a covenant made dependent only on Himself. Sealed by His blood. And oh, how we ought to thank Him. 
and praise Him. He said when they fall and when they stumble, and they'll do it over and over and over again. Oh, he said, I'll visit them with the rod of chastisement. But I'll never leave them or forsake them. Never, no never, no never. And so we ought in light of all these things even the more to thank Him and to praise Him and to give Him glory. Because in every place it says, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Does he said, Well, I've, I've had enough of you, old boy. You know, I'm through messing with you. Sometimes I get the feeling that God ought to say, I know He ought to say that to me. I'm just through messing with you. I've helped you, and I've helped you, and I've helped you, and I've done this for you, and that for you, everything like that. I'm just through. I'm going to wash my hands of you. Oh, no. Instead of saying, I ought to just wash my hands of you, he said, no man will ever pluck you out of my hand. Oh, no. Whatever it takes to keep you. Even if it means killing you. you believe that? Rather than lose one of His children, He'll take them from this world. He says, many, many, are the afflictions of the righteous. It's in the matter of bad things happening to good people. <laughs> no, that's not what he's talking about. These are the righteous who've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's how they're righteous. They're not righteous in themselves, as they plainly demonstrate day by day. Many, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. You say, well, they just keep coming with me. One day, When He brings us, maybe in that instrument of death, He will have finally delivered us out of them all. Turn back to that hymn we sang. <laughs> I love this hymn that I think when we sung it this morning, the Lord brought it back to my heart in a kind of a special way. But look in... in Hymn number 35, we sang that, Praise my soul, the King of heaven. That's what the psalmist is saying. Oh, how we ought to give thanks to our God. 
But look at that second stanza. Father-like, He tends and spares us. That's what the Scripture said. Like a father pities his children, he remembers that we're just dust. He's never going to be disappointed in us because he already found his satisfaction in his son. We're never going to surprise him. He's never going to feel let down about me. <laughs> no matter how I feel let down about myself. Father light, He tends and spares us. Well, our feeble frame, He knows. He knows it. In His hands, He gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. That's the voyage of the Merrimers. Blessed are the waves that washed the mariners on the rock of salvation. God bless you.